so that every man or woman of God, first of all, of God, if we belong to God, if we are of God, this should be our desire so that we may be fully capable, equipped for every good work, that everything that we do, everything that we say must be good. Why? Because God is good. And if God is good, he hates evil. So shall so we should hate evil as well. So that's what the scriptures are for, to equip us for the good work of Christ. Because I be worried about your soul. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say. I got something to say. I got something to say to the world. And I got place to make. I got steps to take. I got cakes to bake. I got shoes to tie. I got mountains to climb. I got things that I really strive to do just before I die. Huh? Tell the whole world all about Jesus Christ. So I'ma do all that I'm called to do, I'ma call on you so you can recall it to memory when you remember me speaking about the remedy of the living king, he's the one giving you everything, every good thing that you got, everything that you not, when you think that you hot, he's the one at the top that can make it all stop, he started it all from the very beginning, the very beginning. Uh, welcome to the Milky Me podcast, uh, my name is Andrew Kremkovich and this is a continuation of the importance of scripture episode that we began so this is part two and if you haven't listened to part one go back and check that one out and then continue listening with us god bless uh there's a quote i have in my fridge right now i know it's not from scripture it's actually from a stoic philosopher named epictetus oh, yeah. but it's, it's one that uh yeah. <laughs> uh it's a mouthful there but uh, uh it's a quote that i, I have to that's been particularly impactful to me where he yeah. says uh if you have pretended to be someone that you are not you have both in the that you have uh if you have tried to live beyond your capacities, you have both pretended to be someone you are not and failed to be the person that you really are. And I fear that many times that's exactly the trap that we fall into. We try to live beyond our capacity. God created me to be this. He created me to be Nathan. And I try to say, well, but um, it looks like I need to be Nathan plus, plus, Uh plus. And I got to be Nathan plus this and Nathan plus that and Nathan plus the other thing. And so many times, and by doing so, I am pretending to be something that I'm not, yeah. where I'm trying to do something that I'm not equipped or capable of doing, while at the same time, I'm failing to do many times what I actually have been gifted to do. Mm. And uh, that's something that, that God's really been working at me about, because my natural tendency is I like to, I like to please people for whenever Mm -hmm. someone says, Hey, go do this. Okay. I'll go do it because it's, it needs to be done. I'm just like, Hey, there's a need. I want to go and do it. I want to help. And, and I want to go and do whatever needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Never mind. Do I know what I'm doing? No. (laughs) (laughs) Am I actually able to do it? I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll I'll look up on Google or on YouTube. I'll figure out how to do it. Um, and so, and so there's many times I believe that it's just, we try to live beyond our capacity and yeah. as when we work with people and again, I'm assuming the best many times there's that idea of wanting what's best for pe- best for people according to God's word, but we're going outside our circle. We're going outside yeah. our sphere. That was one of my oh. biggest things that with my school was that they went outside their sphere. You gave a great example last night or night before last when you said that there is that uh, that girl in your youth group that would always come up and and ask you a question, and you would have to tell her, I don't know, but I will find out. I'll find out. See, that's we don't. I mean, probably all of us as as ministers is we don't want to say that. You know, <laughs> it's the most humbling. It tastes thing really to bad say. coming out of our mouth. Yeah. I don't know. I've I've had to learn, uh, especially as a former youth leader. I've had to learn. That it's okay to say that yeah. Uh-huh. because I don't know, it's, and and if healthy. and yeah. if they think that I know it all, then they're gonna take my word as law, and I can't. I could just not see myself doing that because I had a youth leader when I was younger, do that, and he really would police our every moves, mm-hmm. you know. So and he would call us, and every time he he looked at him, you knew that he knew he he knew, and his heart was in the right place, but when I talked to him. I, I wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk the way he talked. I wanted to minister the way he ministered. I wanted, because he was this man, great man of God who knew everything already. Mm. So, but I had to learn to be able to say, you know what? 
I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But give me a day, give me two, give me a week, and, and I'll find out for you. I love getting questions that I don't know the answer to. I now do. Yeah, like I love it. Yeah, because yeah. now I got something. I get to go seek it. Yeah. I get to mm. go find it. It's like a treasure hunt. Yeah, that's what I love disagreements like about. Yeah, like, like when I get a, when I get a good disagreement yeah. on on doctrine or something because we we do some doctrinal battles on social media. We kind of explain it, uh, but it becomes a battle because someone says you're wrong and everyone chimes in. It has gotten me so into uh, being able to really pull apart some scripture and mm-hmm. really be able to better line it up. That now it's like I am more thoroughly established in some aspects of God's word and his doctrine than I would have been without that mm. accusation, that that rejection, whatever it is. And I'm certain like this is this is biblically sound and I'm so grateful that that nudge came in. So I'm okay when there's when there's divisiveness to, to that extent. Like when it when, yeah, healthy. Yeah. I'm I'm okay with that. What I what I don't think is healthy is when I just get blocked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, great. I can't ever talk to you again. I'd and, love to. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. And, uh, <laughs> Don't and, block me. Did you block me? <laughs> and and disagreeing, <laughs> disagreeing with people isn't necessarily wrong. Like right. if somebody says something, we're like, well, I disagree based yeah. on this and this. And then you have a healthy discussion. Yeah. I mean, as long as it doesn't become like a shouting match and mm-hmm. people's feelings get hurt. Like if you're open to being corrected or learning and you just want to figure out what the truth is, yeah. those discussions are so beneficial. They are. I mean, I, I used to work with a guy. Um, and him and I, we had very different views. He was a, a newer Christian. He'd been a Christian for two years. I'd been a Christian for 10 plus years. And so he had this, this thought and I'm like, man, I disagree, but you raised some good points. Like I need to look into this too, because I've always just always held this. He goes, well, that's weird. Cause I've always just held this. And like, we both like left that conversation and went and searched it out and then came back together and ended up agreeing ultimately on what, after we looked it up and searched it out and prayed on it and and then we came back and we were able to encourage each other more. And it was it was such a healthy thing. Absolutely. That I was like, this is how it was supposed to be. This is yeah. that iron sharpening iron mm-hmm. that, that it's talking about. This yeah. is what this is what the fellowship is supposed to be because we're supposed to grow each other in our understanding. We're to challenge each other in, in a positive way. It's like a conviction, not a condemnation. It's like a, oh, you're you're better than that. Like let's let's be better together instead mm-hmm. of oh you suck. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's and so scripture should be used that way. That's why I love Calvin's quote. It says, no one can even get the slightest taste of right and sound doctrine unless he is a pupil of the scripture. And that's ex- exactly. Yeah. Like we, we can't imagine that or, or hold unhealthily a tight grip on every word that comes out of a person's mouth more so than every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Because then we become a student of that person and we bypass that, that part where they're becoming uh, they, they're they're a teacher because they they should be a teacher because they are a student of the word. Hopefully. It's like it's like bypassing your textbook and just going to your professor for everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, there's a textbook for a reason. He should be teaching from that. Mm-hmm. If any preacher ever says anything, they should be able to point to the word of where they got that and maybe hopefully explain from different sections how that is coupled, how that's explained, how that's reaffirmed and reestablished mm-hmm. even from Old and New Testament. That should be the way we teach the word. We're not here teaching our truths. We shouldn't even be teaching our experiences. We should be able to testify of them. Like, wow, this is the work that God has done in me. Or maybe this is this is how I've, I've, I've felt or I've been changed. But ultimately, we're not here to teach people to feel what we feel. We're here to teach them what we're learning from God. We're, mm-hmm. we're fellow students. Like, everything truly is level at the foot of the cross. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Paul was able to take that role of apostle, but he was also able to fellowship with them. That's why he said, like, um, he was saying, I, I want to I want to be able to fellowship with you and that, I don't want to, pre- I want us, um, Paul was saying how he wanted to benefit one another in the sharing of the faith. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be able to encourage one another and be encouraged by their faithfulness. Like, Paul was willing to encourage and to be encouraged for the spiritual gift, saying I'd want to impart a spiritual gift, and that your faith might encourage mine together. Like he's mm-hmm. speaking of the fact that he still also can benefit yeah. from them, just testifying yeah. to what Christ has done with them. And like, and I've got opinions, but my opinions don't matter when I'm exactly. teaching or anything. It's all exactly. about what the Word of God says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like when I teach, I don't ever teach my opinion. I teach what the Word of God says. And where the Word is silent, I stay silent. Where the Word speaks, I speak, because I've. I've done the opposite. I've done the other, and it never works out in the long run. I think every every preacher, anyone that takes either the pulpit or a teaching position for a moment or for a lifetime, needs to make very clear statements when it's like it becomes their opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've I'm, I'm 
careful to do and I've been more and more careful. It's like whenever I put my opinion, I'll be like, this is how I feel about this one thing. But here's what God's word says and this is the undeniable fact Mm -hmm. and this is the sturdy in stone forever truth. So many beneficial things could take place in the lives of the hearers and the congregation if, if we would be able to decipher and separate our opinions from what God's word is. I think that's golden too, because um, I believe that totally that any preacher should make the the differentiation between word of God and and anything else. Mm -hmm. Like last Sunday at church, I used the Winston Churchill quote, Mm -hmm. but it's not scripture and never was it put out as scripture, but it was put out to help an understanding of, of what scripture I was talking about. You know, um, and uh, and this kind of goes back to if you truly are like what Carlos says, if if you're if you are indwelt by the Spirit, now you're walking out this life as a Christian. It's it's more lifestyle now than than understanding. It's it's encompassing who you are when you're walking it out, and if you're preaching it, um, there will be that lifestyle involved with your preaching. But at the at the same time, there'll be the clarity. Of scripture in your preaching, yeah, right. Like um, uh, we and uh, even the apostles used parts of who they were, but not in a way that it would shadow the scripture. You know, uh, I come back to that makes me think of the axiom. I think I think it was Augustine that uh, expressed it, where he said, "All truth is God's truth." Well, to yeah. where the idea that says that you know when I use a quote from Winston Churchill, to where truth is truth, regardless of where it comes from. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, C.S. Lewis talked about that idea that God speaks to every man in the language that he understands. Mm. And uh, yep. and that idea to where that, yeah, ultimately it all comes back to the authority of the word of God. But yeah. many times that road that one gets yeah. to get to the word of God may be a little bit different. He talks about, he makes an essay about, you know, the Christian philosopher. He's like, look, not every Christian is called to be a philosopher, but mm. there is a road to get to God yeah. and to his word through philosophy. And so... There should be some to safeguard that road, mm-hmm. so that that way there can still be that witness and that testimony in that sphere and along that road to protect it, to safeguard it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let me, let me throw this out there because this is, I think, especially, uh, especially in our modern day, but it's been throughout history too. Um, there's been such a push for a preacher or an evangelist to be exciting mm-hmm. and to be dynamic. Dynamic. Yeah. Good word. Um, but really, the preacher should let the Bible be the Bible, which is exciting and dynamic. But what the preacher needs to be is clear. That's what I would say. If I was, and, and I give that recommendation to any up-and-coming preacher, I say, whenever I give somebody a thumbs up or a pat on the back for preaching at the mission or wherever, I say, man, that was clear. That was really clear what you did. Because that's golden right there to be we were, clear and, and people hear God's word from you. Like, we were just talking about that in our little group chat, the whole dynamic, exciting preacher, shouting, uh-huh. yelling, yeah. and all that stuff. What My, my thing is uh, Romans one sixteen, yeah. The gospel is the power of God unto mm-hmm. salvation. I mean, how much more excitement do you need than to clarify the gospel than to clarify God's written word. If you need to do somersaults and run around and shout and get, a get your get a, hanky. get a hanky and yeah. so, get your coat and throw uh, it, you, just, you know, maybe you just sweat a lot. You don't know, yeah, right? But if if you need to do all of that, why? Why do you <laughs> yeah. need to do all of that? To me, that shows that you don't fully understand it in the first place. Right? Like if it doesn't excite you, it doesn't get you excited. Then how are you going to be excited about it when you like? You've got to be able to and to understand well, it and to know it. Yeah, and I think it comes from the the point of, well, I want this to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so it's, it's that well, pressure we were talking about earlier. Pressure, I, yeah. saw, I like, saw them do it. Yeah. it worked for them. It worked that for guy, them. And I've got to, I've got to grab their attention. I've got to bring them in. It's like no, the Bible will do that. Yeah, and, and a lot of times because I I come from from a from a denomination that is like that. And and growing up again, I wanted to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up my whole life, I, I didn't really see it. But growing up my whole life, I was told you're going to be a, a preacher. You're going to be mm-hmm. a preacher. And although at at a later time I did feel called to preach and teach, my my way of doing it before was well, 
the bishop does it this way the big guys do it this way they shout so you know the anointing must be in that mm. so now i want to be so hardcore that i'm gonna yell and and do like a metalcore um style <laughs> of preaching and it's but the, the thing voice. is that but the and thing God is that said. yeah <laughs> and, and the, yeah. The, that you know but but the congregation responds to that yeah because they feel like man this guy is so into the passionate. word yeah. so mm-hmm. passionate about the word what he says must be true mm-hmm. when in reality we didn't teach anything all we said is god is here and had a hype session have you ever had seen a, a time session. have you ever seen that, that video with paul washer where they start to clap. Oh, while uh, well, you're clapping, I'm talking about you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love. I. 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 I, I, I they got silent. So I have. Good. I've that listened to that. Just... I've listened to that whole sermon like three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, every time I'm like, oh my gosh. Every he time, every did. time I hear Paul Washer, I get super convicted, man. Every single time. Uh, I, I remember uh, I went to Bible college. It was a lot like that. Now, in the church that I grew up in, my pastor was not super what we would think of as dynamic. Uh-huh. He would be what we would quote unquote define as more of a teaching pastor. That's just more his, that's his personality. And he goes, Jerry Vines that said, preaching is the word of God poured through the personality of the preacher. Mm. And so I had come from a church where it was more in that vein. And my personality kind of lines up with that. So uh-huh. that was kind of my approach that I'd always take it to preaching. And then I go to Bible college and I find out that the Baptist church I grew up in is generally an exception to what most Baptist churches are like. <laughs> and I started to see how other guys preached and seeing how the other guys did it. And so I'm like, okay, this is what they're doing. I'm here to learn. And so therefore, I guess I should try to do that too. And so I tried once. And we had the thing that's called popcorn preaching in the dorms where they mm. would just have guys get up and preach for a little bit. Yep. And so I, I tried it. And you know what? It was a good enough message. It, was, it wasn't like it was unbiblical, but I sat down afterwards and I felt so hollow. Mm. I was just like, it was what? all done out of your own. It, yeah. was, I was like, what in the world am I doing? Uh-huh. Because it was like, I, I just got up there and I just was like, and I, and I, I tried it and I just was like, it had. It, look, there are other guys that I know that, that is who they are. There yeah, are some people that's, that's yeah. personality. That's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but I just was like, that. that's just. I that that's not me, yeah, yeah. And coming to that realization that said, "Hey, that's but they might be able to do. That's fine. Whatever you know, whatever God leads them to do, that's fine." But you know, the idea that says that God has given different gifts, whether you're an evangelist. Yeah. I remember um, we saw we had a bunch of evangelists come through, and there was one that was really good with storytelling, where he mm-hmm. would have. The majority of the message was actually even like giving this long story and really building up this long illustration. And then right at the end, he'd bring it home to a powerful truth rooted in the scripture. Yeah. And then you had others that were very just more teaching and just kind of came in and just, hey, this is what the word of God says. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do about it? You had others that came in that are, there was a guy, uh, he's in heaven now, but uh, Tom Farrell is a great evangelist. He was always, he was called Double Barrel Farrell hmm. because in every message, no matter what it was, he had the gospel in there. No matter what it was, no matter what he was preaching on, he could be yeah. preaching on anything, and anything and everything. And he always got, he always had that gospel in there somewhere. Yeah. He always found a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's good. here in that range, and I began to realize with, you know, some time and maturity, it's like, hey, look, every single one of them was gifted by God with those different abilities with those different temperaments and personalities and they've all been used by god yeah to accomplish his work mm-hmm. so whether you're when you're preaching you're you're not called to be tom farrell you're not called to preach like your pastor you're not called to preach yeah. like I, it still hurts my soul to this day to know that there is a jack hiles baptist church mm-hmm. um he was a preacher from the 80s particularly he was a prominent he founded the college and everything mm-hmm. but and so somebody named their church after this yeah. pre- i'm like what does that say about you that you named your church mm-hmm. after some dude yeah not even like like look i still think it's wrong or whatever yeah. i wouldn't agree with it but even but even if you just named it after someone in the bible like you know peter baptist or, I, yeah i don't think it's kind of ridiculous yeah, but yeah, at yeah. the same time it, Okay, fair like Bible a, word. Uh, R.C. Sproul's church is uh, St. Andrews, you know. St. Andrews. That, yeah, I mean. And I just like, yeah. uh, that's where I'm just like, where does that come back to, again, the authority of the Word of God? Yeah. At that point, mm-hmm. 
you're banking your authority on some man, on their name, on their reputation, on their personality, charisma, appeal, whatever. And the moment that that reputation is gone, yeah, and that's what we're seeing in a lot of independent Baptist churches because the reality of who Jack Hiles was, what he stood for, mm-hmm. and the atrocities that were committed there yeah. um, have come to light. And now a lot of those churches that were in that circle, a lot of the same things are coming out because mm. it's like now all of a sudden you have so many churches whose names are now mud yeah, because they chose to model their name and their ministry after some guy rather yeah. than the word of God. And that's where, that's why there's such strength and comfort in being able to say, look, we're going to base our ministry or base our lives around God's word because then it doesn't matter what some guy does. It doesn't matter what the church across my opinion is. Exactly. It doesn't all about it goes back down to the word of God. Mm -hmm. And so people take it when you disagree with them, they take it personally because it's my opinion, it's my thought, it's what I believe, and you can't disagree with me. That's that's what I've understood is that uh when 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 we're when you're talking to someone who is uh coming from their concern is not as much scripture as it is what they've been around, their culture, and, their and scripture is not, yeah, once yeah. it's their traditions, and something goes against them, and you explain it, no matter how lovingly, how patiently, how passively you might be explaining it, that it's taken in hostility mm-hmm. for self. And I, I think that should just kind of be like a clue, like, should be a red what, are you, what are you mm-hmm. defending? Because that's a problem. I'd love to be able to go further in this. I'd love to, but it's like, but no matter what, I'll... I'll defend the scriptures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if I'll see somebody, I don't know. I don't know how stubborn I might be in that moment. But I think often in my head, like if I see someone preaching wrong out on the street, I have a mind in me now, maybe later God will leave, leave me differently, but I have a mind in me now, if they're preaching Christ differently and they're preaching a lie about Christ on a megaphone, I, I have, I will, I'll bring out my megaphone and I will, and I will explain that he is preaching lies about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I will want to because mm-hmm. I want to defend Christ's name. I want to defend the way people view who he is and what his gospel really is all about, what the word really is. I would not want, if I can do anything about it, I would not want in my stubbornness to allow that to be yeah. tolerated. Uh, and it's like I've seen that. I've seen false preachers, videos of them, they'll like street preaching and they're street preaching the whole hate thing and this and that. And then someone else comes in and, and, and corrects them and then takes over the crowd and explains the word more rightly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, praise God for that. If they're preaching Muhammad... For Buddha, it's like, I'm like, I'm going to evangelize them. But I'm like, you're, you're preaching a whole different message. Mm-hmm. But, but if they're mishandling God's word, I want to defend God's mm-hmm. word because I want God to be rightly viewed. It's not about my church. I mean, I, we should, I think, as Christians, we should be able to confidently point people to like, not, not like, oh, go to any church that says like, no, don't go to a Mormon church or Jehovah Witness church. That's a different Jesus with different scriptures, yeah. different text, a, a different Bible. There's a change. There's like, but any one of these churches predominantly, unless there's one that's really off the radar, I should be able to point to someone who I'm evangelizing with out on the street and be like, hey, you know, there's a church there. There's, I should be able to confidently, because it's not me. It's, it's not mm-hmm. my thing. It's it's God's church yeah, and he does it church. there. Like, it's not, yeah. It's, the it's like, if mine's yeah, closer, I'll be like, hey, mine's closer. Yeah. But other than that, I'll see some people. I'm like, you live here. There's one right across the street. Yeah. There's another one there. People yeah. walk. Go to those yeah. and get a Bible and make sure that you're evaluating. So it's, it's so so uplifting and, and, and pacifying to be able to have certainty in God and his power and his scriptures instead of your own manufacture of it or your own handlings of it as if you are the last yeah. final judge on yeah. that. Well, yeah. let's take it was, you for It was example. Matthew 11. It was Matthew 11. Oh, okay, Matthew good. 11, 28 and 29. Yeah. That, was, that was the, my burden is light. Yeah. Come, my, my, my yoke, yoke is, is light. My yeah. yoke is easy. It's like, that's wonderful. Jesus is not saying come and just be weighed down. Yeah. That's well, not... let's take you for example, because you're a perfect example. You street preach, yeah. Okay, there's people that God is drawing that, when you preach the word of God, the Spirit is is working in them. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then there's other people that could care less about what you say, and actually could maybe even hate what you say, mm-hmm. right? Uh, God gets glory from both. Yeah, from the fact that you're preaching. And your message is is uh, a uh, a rock for some, 
and, and life for others. Yeah. And both is is uh, bringing glory to God. But that's something that nobody ever wants to talk about because success looks like, oh, you you should have seen how many people gave their life mm-hmm. to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. And that's the best. But... We can't neglect the fact that, that God gets glory from the message preached, right? When the apostles are in the marketplace or the Areopagus, that message was going to ears that hated God, yeah. okay? And to ears that fell in love with God at that yeah. moment. And hate now could become love later, just like Oh, Paul. that's true. Yeah. So we know that there's there's a lot of people that might respond initially. We have no idea, or we might not have idea, or maybe we might find out later on something yeah. takes place. It's true. And there was an instrumental aspect in, in whatever you said. So yeah. our planting of the seed of the Word of God, or our watering of it, needs to be our faithful work in that, mm-hmm. and not sitting there saying, make it grow. Right. Like, who are we really commanding here? Do we know that God is the one that makes it grow? We're literally, like, standing there sometimes saying, this will produce fruits. Like, mm. says you? <laughs> like, we can't, we can't <laughs> yeah. take that position. That's taking, that's like trying to grab God's arm and saying, you will heal. It's like, uh-huh. stop. Like, please stop. And a lot of people if pray it like doesn't, that, too. It, it mm-hmm. does, yeah, you I know. command. I, I, it's, yeah. it's really destructive. Yeah. Uh, there was one, uh, one quote I want to say. Herman Baving said in Reformed Dogmatics, he says, It is not only God breathed at the time it was written, it is God breathing. And he's talking about the fact mm. that Scripture is alive. It isn't something that was alive once and now we have a paper copy of it. Mm-hmm. It's the living Word, and it's it's breathing into your life. It's breathing into the lives of the people around you. So Scripture needs to be used as a regular, ongoing communion between you and God for your learning and your edification because it is a breathing, living truth. God mm-hmm. is constantly working. There's no such thing as dead scripture. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's on the floor. Someone might pick it up and have a new life. Yeah. Just like the story you told. Someone was using it as toilet paper and someone else was given the job of cleaning it, read something enough to come to yeah. saving faith in Christ. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. The power of God's word. It really isn't in our power. Mm-hmm. If God can use the pre- preachers that were making fun of Paul while he was in prison, he was using those naysayers those hecklers talking smack about paul Mm. saying oh he must believe in some this guy's in jail because he believed in some jesus that apparently died and resurrected Mm -hmm. that that message that faithful proclamation what actually happened even if it's spoken in mockery could be used by god to some listening ear to investigate mm-hmm. these claims enough yeah. to come to a saving faith mm-hmm. god is not dismissing the his ability to use it we're commanded to use it wisely. We're yeah. commanded to respond respectfully and reverently. But what God does with things, He can make a mule talk. He mm-hmm. could, He could do whatever He wants. He can speak out of fire if He wants. He right. can. Yeah. But just like what Carlos was saying, it's like when people are saying, "God, just give me an answer," they're looking for something fantastic and yeah. something awesome as if that is God's requirement at all times. And we have these memes that are always going around, like someone's praying saying, God, give me an answer, and you see a hand come out of heaven with a Bible after it. It's like, here's your answer. Like, read and know his word. That will be the safest method to ever go. Meditate on it daily. I'm still pondering that quote because it... I'm trying to be fair to it by taking it in the context that he's given it, but at the same time, because I've been reading, because his notebook's been sitting here in front of me, so I've been seeing it, it's been kind of running over my mind, and it's just like, that That looks like living inspiration. I'm like, that looks heretical, but... It is. Uh, it I, is. I, I think totally taken out of context, I, I, that's a quote I think, that I could very... I well think where that's coming from, because I was listening, and I'm like, well, that's, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will be forever. Right. Yeah, what, what I what what I what, reading it out of the context without the context of him giving that clarity of saying that you know God is still speaking through His Word mm-hmm. and the idea of using and it's alive. it. Right, and that it is it is a living. Yeah. It, it, uh-huh. it, the Word of God is quick. It's powerful, mm-hmm. sharper than a two-edged sword. Uh, Hebrews four. Uh, but outside of context, I was kind of I was kind of nervous about that quote. We, we don't do that here. We don't do that outside context here. We're just kind of sitting here. Because it looks yeah. like, just, I don't know if I'll you're familiar with the idea of living inspiration, yeah. where oh, yeah. God's yeah. word becomes inspired yeah. as you read it and get a, get some application from okay. it. And so that was something that I'm looking at. I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, I was wondering, where is that well, coming I mean, from? Where he, is that going? Even in the Roman Catholic Church, there's this idea. Uh, St. John Newman brought up the idea of the acorn, that God has given us his word. But as we plant it, it produces 
it changes. More right. So that's, right. yeah. that's right. their way. That's their way of saying, "Well, we the word says that, yeah. but this no." But then the Pope can just kind of say, say that, "You know, that's their kind of yeah. adjusted." Yeah. Yeah. To let the Pope be able to be the vicar. That's yeah. the that's yeah. the evolutionary theology, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, it changes. It goes. That's that's true. That's the false view of the progressive. Yeah. Uh, theology where apparently God changes and progresses and moves with the times. Mm-hmm. There's a progression of revelation where God reveals more and more, and he did that through his word. Oh, yeah. So in history, we've seen God reveal more and more about his own nature, about his plan, how he's fulfilling yeah. his messianic plan all mm-hmm. the way since Genesis 3, all that through history. But there's no change or adjustment. There's no take backs. There's no white out in God's word. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's my bad. He didn't yeah. mess up. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no. God is progressing to. God's okay. learning. Yeah, God's learning. Learn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. If he, that's that would be a scary place to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For a God that's still learning, that doesn't understand or know. Well, that would go to that what the be. atheists talk about is that that uh, you know our universe is just uh, uh, what would they call it in the in the hands of a, a cosmic child. Child abuser. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's when they make fun of the fact that Christ was a sacrifice. Mm. But it, they, they'd have to take out the entire aspect of the fact that he willingly, knowingly went through this, and right. it was a foreordained plan and an yeah. agreement within Father, Son, and Spirit since before the foundation of the world. Mm. Like, the, this is it wasn't not... like he found out, like, yeah. three days before that, hey, you're going down there. Like, oh, man, God. I don't... <laughs> yeah. Well, Jesus said, I came into this world for this reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he knows his... Role, he knows his obedience, he, sinless, yeah. perfect, yeah. and there's victory at the end. And you walk towards it with the hope set before him. Like, mm-hmm. That was the hope, that many would come to Christ and be saved from their sin through his atoning, propitiatory death on the yeah. cross. So it's incredible. All right, what else we got? There was one thing I wanted to say. Uh, well, actually, there's two things that I wanted to say. One was um, there was a group of Puritans, that uh, an offshoot of Puritans. The, they're the Moravians, the ancient Moravians, and I've mentioned this before, but it's something that I, I try to uh, apply to my life. And it's the, uh, their greetings as they would meet you know, fellow Moravians on the dirt roads going to the farmland or whatever. Uh, they wouldn't say, hi, how you doing? They'd say, how is your soul? Uh, no, they'd say, uh, what's new from the book? Oh. They'd say that, or they'd say, uh, how's your walk? That was another thing that they'd say. Um, so they bypassed all the, you know, Pleasantries. Pleasantries, small yeah. Talk. yeah. Small talk. Yeah. No small talk. Is What's new from the book? How's your walk? You know, that's, that's very simple. That's what's going on. Yeah, and it puts this at the foundation of life. Mm-hmm. When 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 you greet somebody, you're, you're right off the bat talking about that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just thought it was yeah, something good. that we should add to, to this. I think we should have that kind of, that sort of dialogue mm-hmm. with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It shouldn't be like a, there's, there's been some, uh, maybe they're brothers, <laughs> but it's like, there's been some people and I, and I, I enjoy talking about God. I enjoy talking about what I enjoy talking about before Christ. Carlos will tell you, I spoke for 45 minutes about what the identity and the color purple is. Mm. Because I was into spiritual mysticism and all that stuff where colors and shapes and thoughts and numbers mean so much in the spiritual realm. It's all demonic. It's all twisted. So I had all these definitions and these long expounded meanings of things that mean none of that. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I was reading auras and stuff, so the color around your head when I squint my eyes mm. means something about your spiritual condition. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> that's what I lived. And yeah. it, was, it, was, it was my life. And it led me. And somehow Christ... <laughs> is able enough to lead me all the way to himself and pull me out of that. Mm. So I, I know his great power. I know his willingness and I know his mercy because I've experienced it. Um, and I know his word because look at how it happened. But uh, what, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> what was I going to say? I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> about how your walk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How's your walk? Uh, there's, there's Christians that I've come up and I've, generally just really want to know like how is your walk like how's your faith and they're like i'm fine i'm fine i'm good it's like no like tell me about it (laughs) like like, i want to know i enjoy talking to you about that and they just they don't want to talk about it and it's like maybe once maybe i might catch them off guard maybe another but for every all the time to never want to like open up and have excitement about god and his word i'm like What's up? Like, what yeah. what what matters for you? Like, Especially when you're like in church and you're yeah, like, "Hey, uh-huh. brother, how's yeah. your walk?" 
oh, I don't want to talk about it. It's like, yeah. oh, there's a lot of there's <laughs> a lot of people that that are very they have an insecurity there, and so they're like, well, it's a private matter. Like, let's talk about your faith. No, it's a private thing. Mm. It's like politics and money. Like they don't want to talk about it. Mm. And it's like it's because it roots in an insecurity. I used to be that same way. Like people sit there like, when did you get saved? I'm like, that's that's a, that's between me and Jesus. Like you need to calm down. Like <laughs> I would follow up with a question: Are you saved? <laughs> and then, but like as I as I grew in my relationship with the Lord and stuff. I was like, I was waiting for people that I would go up to them and say, Hey, let me tell you about how I got saved, you know? Mm. And so you, you get more comfortable, but I think a lot of it is rooted in insecurity when people come up to you and you ask, how's your walk going? How's, how, what have you been reading in the Bible? And they're like, well, I haven't been reading the Bible and mm. really haven't been thinking about God. So I'm just going to, Oh, I'm fine. You know, yeah. like that's, that's their quick, easy way out. But, and that kind of goes and in, transitions into my own thing that I kind of wanted to mention is we've been talking about the importance of spending time with the word and the importance of, being in the word and knowing the word, but we haven't really talked about the, the hugeness of how do I start? Like there's so much to the Bible. Are you about ready to plug your devotion? I wasn't. Right <laughs> I wasn't. Cheesy plug right there. I wasn't. <laughs> link. Link. Self-promotion. Put, right put the link right here. I really, I really wasn't. Go like, to. Link yeah. in the bio. But like, subscribe. I, I know me and I, and I can only relate to me. You know what I mean? And I know when I first started out, the Bible is so big and daunting and this mm. huge undertaking. And you're sitting there going, we're all talking about knowing the context and knowing the whole of scripture. And you're like, where do I start? Which, which book do I go with? Like, okay, I read Matthew, but I don't know anything about Jeremiah. I don't know anything about Genesis. I don't know. Like, so how do I get, and it's really just start. Book know? of John is a great place to start. I, it's, the, I uh, it's the, it's the, it's like the lowest rate, lowest grade reading level. Yeah, I, always tell uh, people, I think like, it's like a third or fifth grade, fifth leading, grade reading level. Yeah, fifth, yeah. Grade, it's fifth grade reading level for book of John is the lowest out of all of them. And I always tell people it's, it's 21 chapters and you read a chapter a day that'll take you a month, a tw- like three weeks to do like four weeks to do. Like you got this, you can do it. Like that's, and, and it gives you from the beginning to the end. It gives you the whole gospel message. It teaches you who Jesus is and how we relate to him and how he relates to us. And it's a solid foundation. It quotes a lot of other things. And then you just go from there and you go from there. And then if you don't understand, ask. And it doesn't have the same context that other other books had. It's specifically with, uh, one of the young people in our church and I, we just started a book of, the study of the book of John, kind yeah. of walking through it. And right from the beginning, he lays it out. It's a universal gospel to where Matthew, he's very much written to the Jews. Oh, yeah, Mark's sure. written to the Romans, yeah, Luke to the Greeks. Yeah. Uh, but John's just like, hey, you're all in here. Get this, this, this is how it is. Yeah. Yeah, this and, is how it happens. I'm pretty sure Mark was an American. <laughs> pretty sure. He <laughs> says, right to the point. Straight away, straight away, straight away, straight away. And it's cool. And like, I'm not plugging mine, but it's cool to use Go a devotional. Go ahead, man. It was, it's no, a we're, actually, we're actually willing to like, plug like, you in. Devoted. So, so, yeah, so Josh actually wrote something, and it, it went further than just paper. So feel free. I, uh, so, I'm actually going to do a link right now. All right. <laughs> right here. Right here. But Over his head. Like, yeah. devotions, <laughs> de- devotionals are great, but the problem with devotionals... Hold on a sec. We're going to interrupt. Uh, Brother Nathan's going to take off. So... So yeah. All right. Now that he's gone, what do we really think about things, Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that, so that we were able to. I'm <laughs> glad that we were able to bring all four in. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, other than myself, like all four of you guys, because that's just so mm-hmm. much perspective, so mm-hmm. much healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what we need. We need diversity, and we mm-hmm. absolutely have that. Now we're less diverse, mm-hmm. so I was like, oh man. Should we just kill this episode? <laughs> no, 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 go on. I, I want to hear the plug. Uh, what, what, what have you worked on, and how can that be of use so, to starters? With devotionals, devotionals are great tools. They're, but the problem, the problem that I've always had with devotionals, and when I was when I was a youth pastor, and I was looking for a devotional to give to the students, so that eighth grade graduating into high school, like something that they can go. I wanted them in their word because it's so important to be in the word. Like that, that is the most important thing as a Christian to be in the word and prayer, like those two hand in hand. And so I would go and I would look for devotionals and it would always be like one verse, somebody's paragraph opinion about that verse and then a prayer. And that was it. And yeah. I'm like, that's not, you know, the verse was out of context. And I'm like, that's not, that's not anything. That's like eating a peanut and going, I'm full for the week. You know that's what I mean? It's like, like all these things I'll give to you if you would just bow down and worship me. <laughs> exactly. And Take that, like, put that on a devotional. You're like, isn't that so great oh, that no. if you just bow that's down like to God, Satan it's like, you're quoting oh, Satan. That's man. Satan. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so, God put it on my heart to just write a devotional. And so the devotional that I wrote, it's called Devoted in Life. And it's going through from, it starts with Joshua and it goes through the different people throughout the Bible all the way up to, I think it ends with Stephen. Um, And it's 
you're entering into their life, somebody who's fully devoted to the Lord, and you're entering into their life in a point, in a thing, and it, and it's a section of scripture. It's 10, 12, 20, 15, whatever, how many verses it is, but it's not just that one verse, and you get that. And then there's a paragraph about it that's not out of context, and it's not my opinions. It's, this is the context of this verse, and this is some that. verses mm-hmm. that, that complement it, and this is it. And then there's a, what's the main lesson for us? And it's like a t- one to two sentence main takeaway this is what it is this is this is the main lesson for us and then like another maybe supporting verse and then it's got two application questions that's like how can you apply this like get you thinking about it and then the last one is pick the verse that stuck out to you the most out of what you just read write it down and then spend five minutes memorizing it like that's the outline for the devotional that i wrote that's what god put on my heart and so that's what that's what it's a 30-day devotional devoted in faith you get you get people like joshua and caleb and stephen but then you get like anti like king saul and like samson who was and then wasn't and then was again you know like it's that that on off kind of thing and you you get to experience these things and these real people this historical event that took place with this historical figure and how they interacted with the lord and and they're devoted and how they were fully devoted and what it looked like and what it what it ended up with and so that was what i what i what i produced and i I published it's it's available on amazon but uh, it's, it's such a good tool to get you into the word. And it's kind of like a guiding you through it to mm-hmm. kind of give you a, a starting point. And it's not a verse by verse through the chapters. It's verses, but you're jumping like book to book to book. And it get, kind of gives you a more overall view of the Bible to go into your own personal. You know what I mean? I, I love how it's basically like a study devotional. Basically. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I have the Reformation Study Bible. What is it? Somewhere here. It's right there. And um, the it's the the Reformation Heritage Study Bible, and it's incredibly useful because it has the Creed's Confessions, the the uh, shorter and the larger Catechism. It has um, it even has incredible study points at the end at the bottom section. So I love this because. At the bottom of just about every other page, it'll it'll give you like four or five points to go through for personal and family worship, and it's like leading you. So it'll give you the notes on each page on on some of the verses, and the bottom it just says like thoughts for personal and family worship for this chapter. So for every chapter, for chapter two, chapter one of every single book in the Old and New Testament, it'll give you three or four questions to consider on how you lead your family and how you mm. disciple. I'm like, this is this is one of the healthiest approaches I've seen for that. Mm. And I've never even considered that they can or would do that for any devotional. Mm. And myself, I've I've turned away from devotionals because of that, because right. of their, their out-of-context aspects. I, I was like, you know what? So, yeah, yeah. that's that's incredible. I, I look forward to that. And that was the thing. Like, I, I scoured like yeah. Christian bookstores, the internet. I even had the person that ran the Christian bookstore scour for me. Yeah. Couldn't find anything like it. And I was like, you know what, God, I'll just write it. That's fine. Like you yeah. give me, you give me the, the desire, you give me the words, I'll put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm currently working on a, a sequel to another one. It's because it's going to be like the devoted series. So that one's devoted in life. The next one's going to be devoted in faith. And the premise of it is God is a God of the impossible. Mm-hmm. And he does incredibly impossible things throughout scripture but they always have a personal reason behind them and application behind them. Like yeah. even when you go with creation, it says in the beginning, God created, he spoke and there it was six days of just creating everything. And the seventh day he rested, but then it goes into chapter two of Genesis where it says he formed man from the dust of the earth yeah. and breathed his life into their nostrils. That's mm. a very personal, like when you form, you use your hands, when you breathe, it's your breath, your yeah. life in them. And it's very personal. And so it's, it's kind of doing that whole thing, but throughout it's another 30-day thing, and it's throughout from Genesis all the way to the end where it talks about these big events that, that happened, these big miracles that happened, but then the personal reasons and the personal touch behind each one. And so that one's going to be when I get a chance to write it. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the process. I'm like four days in. Oh, so, okay. Out of 30. Okay. So, <laughs> you got a ways to go. Plus, yeah. It's I'm, a good journey to be on. It's a good oh, one yeah. to be in. It's, fun. it's awesome. What, what's the other one called? The one on Amazon right now? Devoted, devoted in, in life. life. Devoted in life. Yeah, and then nice. I'm, the third one that I've got in the chamber, like down the road, whenever I get a chance to write it, is devoted in prayer, and going different prayers throughout the Bible, and then breaking them mm. down, and how we can learn how to pray based on the prayers that we prayed in the Bible. Nice. Excited That's for that. That's really good. Yeah. Excellent. I yeah. want to um, 
Yeah, go for it. Read something real quick. Second Timothy uh, three, sixteen. Because we started off talking about the scriptures, and, and yeah. the whole thing was about the scriptures and what they're used for, what what the purpose is of them um, in, in 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 the Christian's life. And of course, we should be devoted in the scripture. That should be our everyday mm-hmm. reading. I mean, you you if you're a Christian and the scriptures aren't part of your daily life, then you might not be a Christian. You know, if if you're going out and saying, hey, I'm saved, I'm saved, but you don't pray and you don't read the scriptures, you might not be saved because there has to be that genuine love and desire to get to know God. It's like, uh, it's like my wife and I, I married her because I loved her. And it's not that, you know, God didn't open up the cloud and say, that's the one. She's the one because that's the one that I chose. And I'm the one for her because I'm the one that she chose. Um, and and we knew because it happened rather quickly. F- four months into dating, we got married, you know. And quickly. and it's uh, it's been a struggle. I'm not going to lie. It's like, man, I did not know that about you. But every day we talk, whether it's if we get to see each other right before bed because uh, our schedules are kind of off, we still talk. Um, we're on our phones for a bit and then i'm like how was your day like talk to me why because i want to get to know her and every day i want to get to know her more every day i choose to love her and i desire to love her and that's how we should be with if that's how i am with my wife how much more should i be with god Mm -hmm. my creator my savior who made me who created me who saved me so scriptures second timothy three sixteen says all scripture is inspired by god and beneficial for teaching for rebuke for correction for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of god may be fully capable equipped for every good work it, if we're not in the word then how are we going to be equipped to do good work you know uh, uh, one of our biggest things uh, at least for me has been uh, breaking down that good works doesn't save us, right? Mm-hmm. We do good works because we're saved, Amen. to glorify God, because He took a wretch like me, and 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 I tell people I honestly identify with Paul when he says I am the chief of sinners, because I am messed up mm-hmm. every day. I sin, whether it's now most of the time it's just will willful sin, and I said it, God is so grand that He took a numbnuts like me. And that's a good word, man. It, it, it that's just I don't know how, what how else to describe myself. I call myself like, a knucklehead, so it's saying, I, I I'm just I just like, say I'm an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I say that about him a lot too. <laughs> In your head. In my head. But I mean, it, it's so for what? So that every so that every man or woman of God. First of all, of God. Mm-hmm. If we belong to God, if we are of God, this should be our desire so that we may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. That everything that we do, everything that we say must be good. Why? Because God is good. And if God is good, he hates evil. So mm-hmm. shall so we should hate evil as well. So that's what the scriptures are for. To equip us mm-hmm. for the good work of Christ. Mm. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Living literally doesn't mean just walking around and surviving. There's a lot of dead people walking around. Mm-hmm. Living means actually thriving in the trajectory that God ordained mankind to go in before they sinned. Go towards me. Don't eat that fruit. Eat this. Man just chose to choose their own way over God's basically distrusting God mm-hmm. spitting in his face saying I don't believe you I don't believe it's going to kill me I believe someone else's opinion it's not yours I want to be like God I mean all of that just continues to show we either submit to God in his word and trust that it is really food for life like real life or we continue to think I'm fine showing up on Sundays it's like the word says you're not the word says you need him desperately. You need him to live, to thrive, to decide, to discern good from evil, like all of that. It's it's only able to be done when you are a student of his word. Uh, the Westminster Confession 
chapter 1.4 says, The authority of the Holy Scriptures, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received because it is the word of God. We're not saying this about Scripture because we want to tell you what to do. I don't, I don't want to tell anyone what to do other than to turn to Christ and do what he said to do. Like, I, I am not the, the, the religion police. And I know that in a, in a legalistic environment, you might see that. And I know that I had those tendencies when I was in a legalistic environment, trying to make sure people do it the way I think they should do it. Not trusting that God can do these things in their heart and convict them and deal with them and just having this anxiety thinking, I need to bring about results. But but we need to reverence God's word because he is holding us accountable for how we respond to it. The, the most important thing that any Christian can do is faithfully present the word of God. Mm-hmm. Don't add your own spices and salts to it. It's coming from the chef himself. He's giving you the honor of actually carrying it to the individuals available in your life. Mm-hmm. Don't add a thing or else you might as well just take his name off and say, I made this. Mm-hmm. If you add even one tinge thinking you need to spice up God's word, you might as well just say, this is my word, and it sounds like Christianity, but it's really mine because I've added my own stuff to it. We are here to carry a message along and not to stick our fingers in it, not to add or subtract a single thing, just to faithfully do it. And the way that we speak, the attitude we have, the way that we dress, that's going to go with it. But we cannot change this word, and we want people to believe it, but we can't make them believe it by shoving down the throats and forcing them. We can't threaten them to believe it. Yeah. But we can plead with them and say, please receive this word. And whatever God does in that, that's, yeah. that's for him. It's, it's his glory. He knows what he's doing and how he's calling people effectually by the Spirit. We are called to be faithful and respond right and handle it right. Mm-hmm. But if we're not doing that for our own selves, for our own nurturing, our own safety, knowing that there is a devil and he is deceiving and he is prowling and he wants to destroy and kill and steal then it's like we're not believing God anyway. Because mm. God said that about the devil. Mm. He said it in his own word. He's out there. And somehow he's working through all sorts of forces, all sorts of ways. Even in our own impulses sometimes, we can see our own evils come up. So we need the word. And, and if we're not recognizing the incredible importance of it, we're going to make great or small decisions that could have major impacts on our lives. Mm. And it could be destructive mm-hmm. and it could be dishonorable to God yeah. and it could be harmful to us and to the people around us. So this is why we want to just let the world know. We want to be well-founded on our, ourselves that mm-hmm. this is God's word right. and it is his world and he's telling us something and it is so important that, that our life and soul depends on it. Mm-hmm. So let us not bypass it or neglect it or think that we just need a little peace we need food to survive every day but he says we need this to survive all the spiritual aspects as well so he's not there's no joke to saying this is food this is bread to live on it's it's a serious statement god said it for a reason any final statements yeah i got i got uh i got a two-point thing uh, and, and two pictures in history as well you know uh, the importance of scripture and how we react to somebody not holding fast to scripture. That's, okay. that's my two points for what I'm about to say. Uh, you brought up the Westminster guys. You know, those Westminster guys came at a time where the gospel, the word of God was very confusing. Uh, Queen Mary, mm-hmm. Bloody Mary, killing like 270 Christians, executing them, right? Because of trying to put things back to the Roman Catholic way. After her, Queen Elizabeth, she starts to try to turn it back Protestant. Then comes out uh, King James, and he's more of a politician. Very confusing time. Ups and downs, lefts and rights. So the Westminster guys comes to come together, and they say, okay, well, let's. what do we believe as Christians? Like, what do the Christians hold to? And so they made the shorter and the larger catechism. And so it's questions and answers about Christianity. And it all, it all comes from the Bible. Uh, it's kind of a funny point that the shorter one's meant for children. It's not much shorter. Yeah. It's, uh, anyways, so they put that out for a reason because Scripture is extremely important. And, and for the Christian, you're rooted in Scripture. And so these, this, these catechisms, uh, uh, learnings, their teachings are the way for us to understand Christianity, right? And so it's very important. And they, they, risk, they risked a lot to do that, 
to put that into place, those Westminster pastors. But if we were to go and look even way past them into the ancient persecution in Rome, uh, when Christians were getting killed and, and tortured and burned and arms torn off, like horrible mutilations, just, just super gruesome, right? There's three, three types of Christians in those days. There was the ones who, you know, just by the grace of God, escaped any persecution. They were uh, maybe in an area that the persecution wasn't as heavy as other areas. Then there was the other Christian, who the, the Christian who gave up their scrolls. Because when the Roman uh, authorities would come, they would say, uh, say, Kaiser Curios, and there were some Christians that would uh, say, okay, I, I bow to Caesar, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and the, the, the Romans would say, give us your scrolls. And so they'd take the scrolls and they'd burn them, right? That's the, other, that's the second type of a Christian in the persecution time. Then there's the third type, of uh, third type of Christian. And that's the one that said, I can't say Kaiser Curios. I can say Yehus Curios. And those were the guys that gets their arms chopped off, their feet chopped off, sometimes burned, most of the time killed. Right, so there's those three types of Christians in the in the ancient Roman persecution days. Well, when that starts to subside, and the Christians who gave up Christianity are now trying to come back, the ones who didn't experience persecutions were like, "Get out of here! Don't come back around here! What do you? You had your scrolls burned. It's the dudes with burned faces and." nubs for arms that were saying no 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 let them come back let them come back wow. this forgiveness this mercy this love that's true christianity and that's what we get from this yeah is that is what is this the walking like christ you know i just think it's this crazy this is the the you're you guys are right when you're talking about the word of god is alive because it just it brings life into into me, you know. I'm speaking for myself. Like it, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a different human being than I used to be. <laughs> yeah, praise God for that. Amen. He really does an unmissable work mm. in the heart. So if someone says I'm a Christian, better look like it, or there's reason to question. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean we're going to criticize, or we should criticize every little thing. But there is a biblical criticism that we should have towards one another mm -hmm. as those that proclaim themselves to be Christ followers. Right. Uh, that's why scrutiny within the church is what Paul affirms. <laughs> scrutiny outside of the church, he says, no, leave them to God. Yeah. He'll judge them. He'll either bring them in or he'll leave them in their sin. Mm -hmm. But you within yourselves, don't just let the wolves in. Yeah. Criticize. Check right. each other. Hey, how's your walk? Yeah. What? Yeah. Sin's okay now for you? <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Hold on. What? Pause. Yeah. <laughs> One and, or two and witnesses. be loving when they be loving to them when yeah. they, you know. And and that's that's something that that I've had to learn to be okay with, like reaching out when I'm struggling. Oh yeah. Like I've I've messaged um, a good brother of mine sometimes. Like, hey, bro, pray for me. I'm, mm. I'm kind of struggling right now. He's like, you want to talk? Yeah. Sometimes I'll say, you know, I kind of want to do it on my own. Yeah. And then he's like, All right. And then but he will check up on me. Oh. He's like, hey, how are you doing? Well, let me give you a call or. Or he'll be like, there. There was one time where we were at uh, at music practice at our old church, and I was just broken, mm. and he just drove with me, and mm. that's it. We just drove. Oh yeah. Late into the night, we just drove, and I was just crying in his passenger seat, and and, and we were just driving, and then finally we parked, and and I spilled the beans, and mm. we prayed. He talked to me. He encouraged me. Um, we've had conversations where we're struggling. Um, and that's important. Yeah. I, fellowship. I, I, I yeah. Like, I, I should be able to be like, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. Like, like as brothers, that that's what a family is for. If I can do that with my carnal brother, how much more should I be able to do that with my, with mm -hmm. my Christian brother? Yeah. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> this was a good talk. This is really good, guys. Josh, did you have any yeah, Oh, yeah, waiting, Josh. I'm waiting, I'm waiting for the, any final words? For the yeah. devotional. <laughs> more, <laughs> more plugs? I just piggybacking off what you were saying with yeah. the whole, um, the if you claim to be a Christian, you should look different. When I was in youth and claiming to be a Christian, my youth pastor said words that I challenged myself with on a daily basis that were, if you were accused of being a Christian in a court of law, mm -hmm. 
would there be enough evidence to convict you? Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't just mean I've got like four different Bibles in my house and I'm like, your life, if you were put on trial being a Christian, would you be convicted or not? And that's something that I've always kind of lived my life by. Like, I want my life to proclaim my faith. I don't need my mouth. Yeah. I mean, my mouth's going to do it anyway, but I want my life to be the one that shows that I'm a Christ follower. Mm. And then the only way that I can figure out and know how to do that is to know what it means to be Christ follower. And I have to know who Christ is. I have to know what Christ said. I have to know what he taught. I have to know where he comes from in order to be more like him. And that's found in the word of God. It's found in the gospels. That's found in the, the old Testament as much as the new Testament. And so it's a whole together to live your life according to the Bible to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Words to live by, truly. <laughs> live by those words. Uh, well, this was a blessing. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, Nathan had to bail on us. but We appreciate uh, you, Nathan. Thanks, Nathan. We love you, man. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> uh, be happy to have you guys back. I uh, look forward to it. And I hope this was a blessing and edifying and maybe at least thought-provoking to whoever it is that's able to listen in or view us. So God bless you guys and have a great one. Thank you for visiting us at the Milk and Me podcast. Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be doubting you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. The feelings and hopes and dreams. Gravity.